Welcome to the Rent to Retirement Podcast, your resource for passive real estate investing and retirement strategies. If you're new to real estate or planning your financial future, you're in the right place. Join us at renttoretirement.com to find your path to financial freedom and an easy, carefree retirement. Enjoy the show. Hey, Rent to Retires, it's Adam Schrader here with another episode, joined as usual by the founder and CEO of Rent to Retirement, Zach Lee Master. Zach, pleasure talking with you again. Adam, we're uh, we're back for another fireside chat. Just you and me, man. Just yeah, alone man. with our thoughts. <laughs> Be dangerous. Alone with the thoughts, with all the family outside the doors, closed away, locked in. <laughs> so we wanted to talk today about risk because that's one of the things that you know is ever constant in investing, in not investing, in just you know walking outside the house, waking up, and <laughs> going to sleep. No matter where you take it, risk is. Um, in your life. And we want to talk about some of the big things that people need to be thinking about while they're investing and the risks that they're taking there. So, um, Zach, I know we released a podcast episode um, where you were talking about kind of the five things that um, that have made you a successful investor over the last you know years of your life as you've been investing in real estate. And one of the ones you said that I really liked was um, time in market, not timing the market. And um, so tell us a little bit about, you know, obviously I think people can get the gist of what he means, but what, what did you mean by that? Yeah, and that's actually number one. And I think uh, rightfully so, because out of the five things that I, I think has allowed me and has allowed many people to be successful over time in building a passive income portfolio. Um, but the first one is, yeah, just, just being able to, to invest, to start investing, not get analysis paralysis and continually invest, right? It's, you got to be able to start. And sometimes the first one is the most difficult one, just mentally and emotionally, not even so much financially, but um, to just start investing and keep going and keep going when life gets busy and keep going when, you know, you have a property that doesn't turn out like you like you wanted to, or you have a life event that changes or, uh, you know, you hit a tenant issue or something like you just got to have tenacity and keep investing because truly what helps people be successful in investing in rent, rental real estate is time in market not trying to be one of these people that sits on the sidelines like oh, I'm going to jump in when there's market dip because I'm going to like, you know, if you equate this to dollar cost averaging, but it isn't even the same. It is not on the same scale because real estate has so many different advantages of, of growing wealth over time through using leverage, the tenant paying the loan down appreciation over time, regardless of short term fluctuations, rents going up each each year after year, uh, the tax benefits, the compounding tax benefits and depreciation year after year. But the most important thing, which you can't quantify, is just your your investment knowledge, uh, right, which which does compound over time the sooner you get started. But I mean, real estate time is your best friend the sooner you get started. And all the people that we interview, Adam, that are successful, like, you know, we kind of pose a question of like, what would you do differently if you could go back and start again? And pretty much a unanimous answer is, well, if I really, I mean, there's a lot of little things I changed, but ultimately I would have got started sooner and I would have been more aggressive earlier on. Um, because yeah, just, I mean, time, a lot of people are fearful about taking risks. And I, I listened to a bigger pockets podcast the other day. It's uh, what's, what's the gal from shark tank, Barbara, uh, is it, oh, Cor is it Corcoran? Cor Corcoran, Cochran, something. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously just massively successful in New York real estate. Uh, and they pose a question to her for like, what, what would you tell the people that don't are like risk adverse in real estate, you know, or just don't, don't have really, um, that mindset where they can take a little bit of risk. And she's, is her answer was, was pretty, um, pretty blunt is just get out of the game 
You know, you gotta you gotta learn how to take uh, analyze and calculated risks um, because everything you do in life is going to have risk, especially in investing in any asset class. But you need to be comfortable taking risks, and that's that's why you know we're here to talk about it today. <laughs> so I want to say, in all my years and the thousands of people I've talked with, and the thousands of people I'm sure you've talked with. Um, how many people have you talked with who have said, man, I wish I'd been older when I got started? <laughs> yeah, there, there, there's, there's a lot of people that are like people who've told me they yeah. wish they were older when they got started. I mean, it's the common refrain I hear whenever I'm talking to people and I say, you know, what are you doing in real estate? You know, I would say 50 to 60% say, I don't have any real estate right now. I, you know, I wish I'd gotten into it whenever I was 30. And I mean, I, I got started in my 30s and I look back and I'm like, man, I should have gotten started in my 20s. And, and let's be clear, though, it's never too late to start. It's not. No. Right. Yeah, and, no, absolutely. And you can create. I mean, it, even if you're if you're listening to this and you're like at retirement age, that, that's OK, um, you know, because it's it's better to to start at any point in time than just to never do anything in, in real estate. And even even a few intentional years of investing can make a lifetime of difference in any market cycle. Uh, and I, that's just a fact, but you, you got to have the grit. You got to get in there. You got to take risk. Cause if you don't, the alternative is, you know, the risk of, of not taking action and inaction, but. Yeah. And we obviously, when we talk about taking risks, we do mean calculated risk. <laughs> we don't just mean uh, running out and, you know, walking down the street and seeing a property and saying, yeah, I'm going to buy that one. Although could end up being great. Uh, could end up being terrible. That's why we have to do our due diligence on properties and markets and all of those uh, fun things that nobody actually wants to do, but we all need to do. Um, homework is never fun, but when homework can make you tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars, it can be well worth it in terms of hourly rate. But one of the things we constantly talk about when people are saying, you know, how much should I buy? What should I buy? And that is things we've talked about before. And that is the greatest risk of your real estate portfolio is when you go from the zero to one. Zero to one is the greatest risk. It's both the scariest, uh, but it also puts you at the most risk because at that point in time, you have a door. If that door is vacant, you get uh, put in a situation where 100% of your real estate portfolio is vacant. Um, it can also be scary because literally... It can feel like it's just a whirlwind because we have everything streamlined. If you're buying through us, that it's like, okay, here's your, you know, here's where you can find inspectors. Here's a property manager. Here's where you can talk to insurance. Here's where you can do this. And the next thing you know, it's like, all right, well, the notary's coming to your house. Uh, <laughs> are you are you ready to close? And the answer is, well, yes and no. It, that part can be scary. Um, but once you get that first door, you know, it's it could also be scary to think that it's time to start looking for the second door. In, but in reality, you're protecting yourself. So that's uh, an interesting dichotomy that, Zach, how did you, how long did it take between your first and second investments? Well, I, I have a different mindset a lot of times. Um, and, and I think this did help because I, I started investing uh, earlier on um, in, in life before I was married and had children. Uh, and it was just me. So it's a little <laughs> bit easier to just, you know, just be okay with taking risk. But that's young and dumb. <laughs> you know, but, but also, uh, hungry, hungry to learn, you know, and, and as, as I think about like, how do you become more comfortable taking risk? I, I think it really boils down to like evaluation of risk, like truly just education, 
Um, just really understanding risk. And you don't have to understand everything. Quite frankly, you, you never will. Uh, and this is true of real estate or anything else. I mean, there's, it's a lifelong journey and we're always sharpening the pencil and, and learning things. But, you know, and I think the best way you learn is actually by doing hands-on, hands-on um, experience. But I mean, for, for me, Adam, when I bought my first property, it was, um, you know, I, I, I really wasn't concerned about the potential risks and downside. I just kind of looked at the numbers. Did it make general sense? I didn't overcomplicate it. Uh, I didn't know anything about the market. I mean, my first house I bought was in North Dakota, um, which, you know, it was not, it's not a great market. It's decent, but it just, it made sense. I house hacked it. Um, and then after that, honestly, it took me about three months and then I bought my first rental. Uh, so I didn't stop and I never, I really never have. And, and right now I carry an immense amount of leverage. Uh, and that's some people would not, would not be comfortable with that. Um, and, and that's okay, but I understand the benefit of, of having leverage responsibly and, and how your portfolio, I, I love the point that you just mentioned about a risk analysis of, of where, like, where are you at most risk in your investment portfolio? And, and, and hopefully this discussion, as you were pointing out just now, and, and I'd like to elaborate on it, will help people just understand, like become more comfortable with buying re rental real estate. Because you, to your point, Adam, you're always at the highest risk when you have the least amount of doors. And this seems counterintuitive a lot of times because you would equate buying more property with more money, right? Or more leverage and, and, putting, yeah, and putting more money out there on, on multiple properties. However, you have less volatility, especially if you're diversified across multiple markets. This is a, why we like to talk about diversification, not only in different asset classes, but across different markets. Uh, within real estate. So you can be diversified, greatly diversified within real estate. Like for us, even though we only invest in real estate, we're vastly diversified within real estate. But um, I, I think when you have when you have a larger portfolio, we really like to get people to doors number five and six as quickly as possible because that's where we really start to see sustainability uh, of a portfolio it's, itself where, hey, if you have one or two vacancies or a maintenance item or something like this, like you don't you know, not all these not all these houses are going to have issues at one point in time, right? So, um, your your portfolio will support itself, and I think that's a less risky position to be in. But also, what we've seen from a portfolio analysis is that like your reserve per property actually you get economies of scale as you grow your portfolio and some diversity, uh, where your reserve account like per property doesn't need to be as high. Like if you own ten doors and you were used to saving five thousand dollars per door. Maybe you don't need $50,000 because, again, not all things are going to happen at once, likely. But also, if you have a vacancy, the property, the portfolio overall is still going to be positive cash flow. And also, you start to see a reduction in things like your maintenance and vacancy percentages. Generally speaking, when you have a portfolio aspect, just because you're, you're adding the right properties and doors to your portfolio. So, I mean, I guess I went off on a tangent, but for me, risk was never really... I mean, and don't get me wrong, I've lost a lot of money in different things. I've always been a person that just takes action, kind of the ready, fire, aim mindset. Um, but that's really served me well is just being able to take action too. Yeah. And I want to, you know, when you're talking about the, you know, doors five and doors six, um, this is, you know, not the most fun story to say, but we had a property, we had a tenant leave, we had to do a tenant term, we decided to sell. We kept going through and we had multiple people fall out and contract after contract fell out. We finally sold it. By the time it was all said and done, it had been vacant for nearly a year, but our portfolio made it as such that we never even thought about it, you know, because the cash flow from the other properties was more than covering, you know, all of that issue. 
And so in, it was just vacant. That was just what was happening. But, you know, it never impacted any other aspect of our life because the rest of the portfolio was sitting there sustaining it as opposed to if it was the only property in my portfolio and it took me a year to get everything done and sell, sold and everything, that would be painful. That yeah. would be extremely painful. Across the board, our our occupancy time, and this is really the way you start to evaluate it once you have multiple doors, is like we are roughly between 90 to 95% occupancy consistently. Sometimes it dips a little bit below. Sometimes it's it's above. So it's like, all right, well, consistently we have this kind of this anticipated income with this fluctuating occupancy percentage across the board. And so really like growing a portfolio. But there's when we think about risk, there's a few key concepts Um I think we want to cover in this episode and we want to just uh, make this uh, as clear and concise as we can for people. Um, and Adam, I'm interested to hear your opinion on some of these things. So let's, let's go through kind of how to think about risk in, in, uh, in these different areas. So we kind of talked about the, uh, the risk of taking action, right? And I, we don't want to belabor over belabor that of, of just like taking action, like the risk, there's a risk of inaction. Uh, I think we're all aware of that, especially when you look at retirement age of like, you don't want to be the person that says, I wish I would have went back and taken more risks. Um, you know, even if you lose money, you'll make it back tenfold if you just learn and apply the things you learn. So we've covered that. We've talked about having a risk, a portfolio of multiple doors and, you know, how you get this economy as a scale and having a smaller portfolio could be or a concentrated portfolio could be more risk. Uh, I also want to talk about the risk of, um, you know, and I guess one more thing would be timing the market. We've already talked about the risk of just not taking action and, and time in the market. So we've covered that. But what about, I guess, wh how would you evaluate? Um, well, let's, let's talk about this, Adam. Risk, often we talk about the negative. Uh, risk has a negative connotation to it. But risk also pays dividends sometimes, right? I mean, risk also is necessary. No one thinks about risk as a good thing, but usually with risk, comes opportunity uh, and we talk about the lottery the lottery uh, ticket property and I forget I constantly mention this now that we I forget who we heard it from um, but this idea of like yes you you can reduce your risk by educating yourself on different areas and things like this and educating yourself on uh, being a savvy investor but sometimes you just don't like just buying property like some not not blindly but to some degree just like having a few check marks on your valuation criteria and then just continually buying property again and again once something kind of meets the check marks like you know a lot of people just build really successful portfolios doing that and we have as well um but sometimes you you invest here in a market where they, you you don't anticipate to just skyrocket and it does right and so that's yeah. that's a function of taking risk and continually taking it where you you get these properties that just take off so i guess my question to you um, Adam, in, in my uh, rambling here, is how do, how do you compare when in your risk analysis? Because you're doing some you're doing some new construction stuff right now in Alabama, 100% finance stuff, where they're probably going to be negative cash flow, but it's a long term play for you. So how do you analyze and make the distinction? Like, what is the appropriate level of risk based on reward for yourself and your own yeah. investing? Well, first off, what you were just saying, um, it just reminded me of the phrase in baseball: just put the ball in play. Because uh, you never know what's going to happen when the ball's in play. Um, but when it comes to me evaluating risk, I mean, what I and I will fully admit, I had a mild freak out about some of the stuff in Alabama. And my wife, who is actually the the more risk averse of the two of us, talked me down off the ledge because she was like, well, you looked at the market, right? Yes. 
You look at the numbers, right? Yes. Okay. So what's the worst that could happen? And so we talked it through and we're like, okay, well, would that be amazing? No. Would we be fine? Yes. Um, and then that made it okay. Cause with me, what it is, is we kind of looked at it and said with our portfolio and what we have here, this cash flow, if we lose it, I mean, realistically, we're looking at, you know, I was looking five, six, seven years in, you know, my cash, the cash that we're in the property is still going to be less than a down payment on that property. Um, I looked at the trends in the area and I looked over the last 15 years. I think it was, it was 15 to 20, somewhere in that time range. And I looked at the chart at the home median home price. I looked at the, you know, census numbers and saw it's still growing. And I mean, at that point in time, you know, if you, if everything is pointing in the right direction, it's, that's the best you can do. I mean, it's the best you can do in anything. I mean, somebody could tip you off on a stock, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen. You could look at, you know, Apple stock and see the history of it. I'm assuming I haven't really looked at Apple stock and say, well, based on everything, it looks like it's going to continue doing well. And so you can prepare yourself and then you just make the smartest decision that you can. I mean, you just look around and see what, if you're not going to do this, what else are you going to do? And is that something you want to do? And when I look at it, I say, okay, you know, this is going to take away cash flow. Yes. It's going to eliminate like one Alabama property is going to eliminate the cash flow of one of our, um, you know, Atlanta new builds that we have, which is that fun? No, but it's the benefits of having a portfolio is it's not that big a deal if it eliminates that, which is part of the benefit of having a bigger portfolio. And then it's like, all right, so if things go horribly, it's not going to be that big of a deal. If it goes well, then in four or five years, when we're sitting on a massive amount of equity, we can deploy it and do worlds better. And when I look at it that way, it's like, well, in five years, I'm either going to be looking at myself and saying, eh, we could have done a little bit better or holy crap, look at this. This is incredible. And between those two, I'm, it's worth it. And, and likely in five years, you're not going to be just looking at yourself in the mirror saying, what, the, what the hell did I do? Uh, you know, I think because you're, you're constantly checking in, it's not like you're not going to think about these investments yeah. over the next five years, you're, you're going to be watching them and evaluating them. And so what I, what I heard you say in the decision, uh, because everyone goes through this emotional roller coaster, right? We deal with it with our own, with ourselves, with our investors all the time. It's like, you know, they, they make a mental, emotional commitment to proceed. And then something comes up where it's like, oh, they, I call it the, the oh crap moment uh, where like, ah, oh, they quite, they start questioning themselves. And this is normal. Everyone goes through this. It doesn't matter how experienced you are, but talk yourself off the ledge or have your investment or life partner help talk you off the ledge, right? Just talking it through um, and just thinking rationally about it. Don't make any irrational decisions. The great thing is with real estate, you got time to decide like your closing is going to take 45 days at least, uh, maybe longer on new construction where you can, you can think about it. You don't have to like press a button with stocks. Like you, you got time to think about it and you have an exit if you need to. But I think what I really heard from you is I think it's really important to evaluate risks is, is not only the education and truly just looking at the numbers and writing out and projecting the numbers. So many people don't do that. This is why we created the wealth tracker, tracker uh, calculator that people have access to um, where they can project future anticipated income, expenses, appreciation, rental growth, 
amortization and debt pay down, tax benefits, like you can predict all those things because it's hard to run the back of the napkin math on them, but it certainly will help you understand where you're going to be in, in the future by just looking at the numbers. But what I heard from you is contingency planning. And I think that's a certain, that's a huge thing when you're trying to be more comfortable with taking risk is not only educating yourself about running, you know, about uh, the, the market and the investment itself. So that's number one, being comfortable taking risk is knowing the investment and the market and all the associated things. Number two would be actually running the numbers not today and in the future and understanding how, how, how the property will probably perform. But then number three is looking at, you know, what contingency plans. And that's really, really important. Maybe even the most important aspect, because it's like, if this doesn't work out, like I plan to, what is the worst case scenario or, or probable scenarios? And how am I going to deal with those? Right? Like in this example, let's say that these properties, because you know, you're coming into these negatively cash flowing, because you're going to have 100% debt on them. Um, and the reason you're doing this is because you're, you're looking at all the other ancillary benefits of of uh, growing a rental portfolio through appreciation, debt pay down, things like this, right? And you'll know that rental rental rates will go up over time and you're, you're building equity over time. But like, what if, what if the cash flow is negative longer than expected? Like, can you weather that storm? Do you have the reserves and does your other portfolio support that? Okay, likely. Um, you know, what if, what if, uh, you know, this, you need to, for whatever life reasons happen and you need to exit these properties uh, and get rid of them? Well, can you sell them? You know, would, would another investor buy these? Would it make sense for them? Is it in a market that's growing? Are these properties going to stay rented? You know, there's there's also the option to potentially refinance these in the future to offset. Like, what other things can you do to reduce the cash flow, uh, the negative cash flow on this? Well, in the future, if you need to refinance, if interest rates come down, if you find yourself in a scenario where you need to to liquidate them at some point in the future, can you do that? And, and I think that helps you become more comfortable with, understanding the risk and, and how this is going to perform. Like what is your exit strategy? Real estate is just a holding place for money. It's not really, in my opinion, uh, and this came, this came from um, Kim Kiyosaki. I heard on one of her uh, podcasts of like, you got to just think about real estate is just a bank, just a holding place for money. And if you're investing in an area that's, it's going to produce dividends for you. Uh, you know, if the cash flow is continually, um, you know, if the house is continually rented out, it's going to produce cash flow. It's going to grow over time. And if you need to liquidate it, it's not extremely liquid, but you can, right? You can, if it has equity, you can do a HELOC, you can do cash at refi, you can sell the property if you need. Just look at real estate as a holding period. And like, what is the worst case scenario when you're investing in real, real, real estate? Very unlikely in, in scenarios like this, you're going to lose all your money and, and not really likely that you're going to lose much, much at all, really in it um, over the period of time. So, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you talked about um, when you were going through that and, and saying that real estate is a holding place, it made me think of kind of the difference between newer investors and experienced investors. And that is, um, I joke with people, except it's not really a joke. You know, right now at this moment, we have six doors because we sold off some and we're buying some and they're not done. But if you showed me a picture of 10 homes and said, you know, one of these is yours. Which one is it? I would have a six out of 10 chance of getting it right because I'd literally be throwing a dart at a board um, and have no idea. So the people who come to me and say, you know, I'm interested in seeing the post rehab pictures and I want to see this and this and this before I move forward. I get it because I've been there. 
but you can tell over time as you get more comfortable with it, like the pictures don't matter. Like the inside of the house doesn't matter as long we'll as it's just the vehicle, right? Yeah, the house is just in vehicle. good shape and you get the inspection report back and it's good. I mean, it, in reality, it doesn't really matter uh, whenever it's all said and done. Obviously you don't want a place that's like falling apart and the ceilings coming down and the walls peeling and all of that. But, but yeah, it's just, it's the vehicle and it's uh it's it was just amusing me whenever i thought of it the other day i was like i've never had a person who's asked for pictures who has come back for a second property and asked for the pictures it just once they get through over that first hump it's completely different it changes the mindset and it, they're ready to go yeah and again guys we're not saying to just go out and blindly buy properties <laughs> right have yeah. be intentional about it have a criteria have an investment strategy and plan and that's what we're here to help you accomplish and, and to devise. But um, ultimately, at the end of the day, real estate investing is a concept yeah. and you're just applying that concept. So just to review, you got to take risk. Uh, you, you absolutely have to take risk in investing. Every decision you make has some sort of risk threshold, including the risk of inaction. Um, and so you need to be comfortable taking risk and you become comfortable taking risk by knowing what you're investing in, studying that, understanding what the um, exit strategies are and the contingency planning for that. And then also looking at the numbers today and in the future. Um, but ultimately real estate investing, the risks do pay dividends and there is, there is the opposite or the, the other end of the spectrum where taking some risks can have some huge benefits, but you're never going to see that if you can't accept a baseline risk. Yeah. And I want to touch on another risk type and that is a lot of people tend to think of not having risk in real estate as having a paid off property. Um, that's one thing that uh, people talk about is I want to, you know, reduce and pay off properties so that I have less risk. And that sends us back to what we were talking about in the first place. You know, if you have a paid off property, that means that you don't have at least three other properties in my mind, because you're, if you're putting 25% down on a property, granted you could put 20, but let's just say you do 25. That's at least three other properties you don't have that you could have had to spread it out. So even if you get two doors and lower your risk, if you pay cash for those, that's six other properties you could have gotten and spread it out now over eight. Oh man, we could, we could do a deep dive into this too. I mean, having a, a free and clear property, cause I will always have leverage on my properties. And I just, that, that's just the nature of looking at like leverage and inflation and the tax benefits with leverage and things like this. Um, but if you have a free and clear property, what is your risk threshold to liability, right? You have a huge liability if you have a free and clear property. Uh, leverage is your friend when you do it responsibly. It doesn't matter what the interest rates are at. I mean, look at, look at your, yeah, your return on equity. You know, what is the risk that you're taking with not diversifying and growing your portfolio? And maybe there is some degree at some point in people's lives where having more more equity in a property or potentially some free and clear properties could be appropriate. But uh, good point on that, Adam. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I mean, that's what, and like you said, with leveraging, you know, appropriately, that's where your lender comes in. It's where your CPA comes in. It's where all of the people, the team that we've talked about many times before that you've built, you can go to them and say, hey, am I in a good place? Like, do I need to reduce my leverage? Should I increase my leverage? And they'll give you an honest opinion if you have the right people on your team. And they'll tell you, you know, hey, you know, if you do this, it could do this. And if you don't do this, you're going to end up with this. And 
they'll run you through it. Yeah, just understand the what if, right? Understand the scenario and understand, because I, I think a lot of people like the comfort of sleeping at night. And, and this is so true for primary residence for people. They like the, the idea of having a primary residence paid off, but they just, but more than likely, this is someone who doesn't understand what that equity could do for them and how it could be applied in, in other areas and how they could, you know, leverage responsibly. And uh, it's all about education. So, I mean, leverage is, is your, is your friend, but guys, this is uh, anything you do will take risk. So as Barbara Cochran said, or however you pronounce her last name, if you're not willing to take risk, get out of the game. You just got to have some baseline level of accepting risk. Uh, and if you do that consistently over time, I think you learn how to reduce your risk and ult ultimately reap the benefits of real estate, which are very plentiful. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. So if you want to find some properties to uh, reduce your risk, head on over to rentsretirement.com. You can see the properties we have available there. Uh, we both have ones you can leverage with uh, 20 or 25%. We have some that you can leverage with 0% uh, down, like Zach was talking about. You can find those at rentretirement.com. Schedule a time to talk with us. Uh, if you want to know about where Zach thinks might be a good place to invest, we still have our top 20 markets to invest in in 2023. You can get your copy by emailing podcasts at renttoretirement.com and asking for it. And we will get that to you as soon as we can. Really appreciate the time you spent uh, educating yourself today. And we'll talk to you on the next episode.